You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Jeff. Haven't done that in a while. Took a few takes. Morning, Jeff. Morning, uh, Jeff. Good morning to you guys. Good morning, Jeff. Probably too long and I haven't had any caffeine, but I'm really feeling it today. Seems like we're going to have a good one. I'm joined by all... You want a sip of my coffee? No, that'll be too far. But I'm joined by all the guys in the studio, (laughs) Neil, Matt, and Ken. How are y'all doing? How are y'all doing? I'm doing I'm doing great, y'all. Oh, is that a new thing? Well, no, he just sounded southern, so uh-huh. I had to, I had to re- return Fresh the favor. Fresh coffee. Yeah. Oh, southern Jeff, new character. Want me to warm you up there, Jeff? <laughs> no, as the you, answer uh, is always yes. The answer is always no, because uh, if anything, you could cool me off would be great. <laughs> I just want Jeff to stand in between my arms and just let me shake my, my hands to warm you up, You know, if you know what I mean. I, I know what he means. You know what I, I mean? I it's like what, friction. I yeah. do know what you mean. You know, we do this at the beginning of the episode, and it's very confusing for new listeners. It is very confusing. Well, we've so definitely... this is a trivia podcast. <laughs> and we definitely already delved into the lack of seriousness. Mm-hmm. So uh, welcome. But we've got a couple great guests with us today. The first one I'm going to uh, introduce here is actually going to be teaming up with myself, mm. uh, Oakland Five supporter from Situate, Massachusetts, Luke Popish. How you doing, Luke? Great, guys. How you doing? Why don't you you tell got a right little... first try, man. Situate right right out of the gate. I uh, I was practicing fire. hard for you. I couldn't remember what <laughs> our know. tagline was I'm... for the show, but I knew what city <laughs> you were from. So <laughs> that's perfect. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh yeah, my name is Luke Popish. So I'm uh, 45 years old. I I have a family of five, a wife of 16 years, and three daughters. So I'm surrounded by girls. Uh, hence my presence now in the man cave down in the basement. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 and I'm a vice president of uh, operational excellence over at a uh, healthcare system uh, just north of here. And, Ooh, sounds uh, important. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm wicked important. I'm wicked important. Wicked important. <laughs> he's doing, yeah, it. He's doing it. the so important good. stuff. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to tell you about. I mean, I, got, I could talk about myself for an hour, so I, we're talking about trivia here, so I don't Yeah, wanna... that'll be hard for Ken to cut down, but uh, appreciate you <laughs> Sorry, joining Ken. us today. When I describe my much, profession, Ken? nobody ever says, oh, that sounds important. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have a, uh, it'll be a Patreon bonus, an hour long of Luke just talking about himself, have no fear, it's coming. People oh. say, that uh, sounds interesting. <laughs> I thought maybe you were going to do an hour Patreon bonus just lauding praise on Ken so he felt important. We could do that, too. It'll just never get Ooh, released. It's like it. the, the Wu-Tang album. No one's ever yeah, going to listen to it. Yeah, Ken, we put it up. We yeah. really did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, yeah, looking forward to having Luke as a teammate, but can't have a game without a host. So uh, I'm going to be introducing uh, our, our guest host, Not a Robot patron from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Micah Moody. How are you doing today, Micah? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I think we're doing great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Uh, yeah, I'm a 41-year-old collection officer at a mid-sized credit union here in North Carolina. I've uh, been here my whole life. I'm originally from Fayetteville. I moved to High Point once I got married, and now we're in Winston-Salem. I just keep moving further inland. Um, <laughs> but uh, I came to trivia, and like most people, you know, watching Jeopardy and found a couple of podcasts, movie trivia podcasts, and then I found Trivial Warfare and then I found you guys and uh, the pace of the show and the way you guys interact with each other. I've uh, become a, a, a huge stan. I've been through all the episodes <laughs> once already. I started in December and I've already been through and now I'm listening oh, again. Uh, it's a good listen anytime you need it. So Good. Too much of us. Yeah, you've, no. <laughs> you've watched us grow from little potatoes and yes. big potatoes. Big <laughs> yes. potatoes. <laughs> no medium potatoes. I feel like a big potato today. <laughs> you guys do what mike said though you guys do one of the best like i like your trivia podcast i listen to a bunch i should have included that and uh you guys are one of definitely one of the best like pace humor and uh you know balance of knowledge is it's it's fun to listen to thank you very much thank you one of the top 20 for sure especially one of the top 20 in illinois (laughs) best one in lagrange park best one in lagrange park named trivia shows top 20 right yeah (laughs) Well, we appreciate the kind words. We uh, we always strive to make sure we deliver a, a quick, punchy uh, episode every week. And the reason we're able to do that is because of our patron supporters, which both of our guests are. So, thank you very much. Before we uh, get this game started, Ken, I think we need to know how it's played. Yeah, let's get one of those special uh, imitation rules that we haven't heard in a while. So let's do uh, Patrick Warburton. Rules of the game are simple: twenty questions split into two rounds, worth ten points apiece. At halftime, there will be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated. Have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. End of the game. Someone will be named the cream of the crop. Oh yeah, it's all coming together. Very nice. Yeah. Speaking of, I mean, he's supposed to be Patrick Warburton's character in uh, Family Guy. That's East Coast, kind of like Luke, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, in that be. in that Massachusetts area, I guess. Um, yeah. And well, speaking of teams, though, Ken, you and I are going to play today. We actually went to the club the other night, uh, socially distanced, no, of course, didn't. but we dressed as the characters from Battlefield Earth. And we oh. called ourselves the Leverage Lotharios. That was our uh, that was our Halloween costume. Our Halloween costume. <laughs> Battlefield Earth. Yeah, we were we were John Travolta we were from Battlefield John Earth. <laughs> we were both John Travolta. Yeah, that was Forrest Whitaker. You were. Uh, so, do you want to be the Leverage Lotharios then? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I think inspired by uh, Luke's excellent Oregon Trail t-shirt, we came up with uh, the Dysentery Blues is going to be our team name, right? (laughs) Because you certainly would have the blues if you had dysentery also. It just comes hand in hand. You don't want it to come hand in hand, that's for sure. (laughs) And Matt, you're going to be, you're such a good manager. Matt's going to be the manager today. You're going to be color commentary. Uh, Yeah, I'm here to, you know, kick out any riffraffs or, you know, calm down things down. You're the uh, Tom Thibodeau of Triviality. Mm -hmm. Ice, ice. That's maybe it's for like three people. <laughs> I'll go give you a Jim Cornette or maybe maybe even a Paul Heyman. But oh, yeah, Paul E. Dangerously. Yeah, those are people. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I think without further ado, we'll get this game started and I'll hand it off to Micah. Take it away. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, round one. Question one. You don't know Dick. Uh, born September 12th, 1818, Dick was an American inventor whose list of patents include a screw propeller, a wheat drill, a hip brake machine, a steam plow, a marine steam ram, and a motor-driven plow. However, his most famous invention was patented in 1861 and ironically created out of concern for loss of life. What is Dick's surname? Yeah, we really don't know this one, so we're going to take a stab at it. I mean, I'm blanking, man. I don't know. I don't know enough. Inve- like inventors of power, like it could be like deer, you know. But I don't know, like, yeah. like a big farm equipment name or something like that. Yeah, Richard Caterpillar. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> Dick deer. <laughs> Dick deer. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, po- pretty positive. Alfred Nobel's not a Richard, so because um, that one would have fit otherwise. But okay. I don't know. I think we might just have to uh, tap out on this one. Yeah, we're gonna go Richard Caterpillar. <laughs> Is that what happens Johnson when you don't uh, groom in a couple weeks? <laughs> uh, I don't have I don't have dysentery, but I already have the blues after this first question. <laughs> that took me a second. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, yeah, uh, we mostly. Uh, 
took the last part of this question to uh, make our guess, and we're going to say it's Wesson of Smith & Wesson. Okay, well, I've listed all those inventions to try to help get to the clue, a screw propeller, a uh, motor-driven plow, uh, a drill. Uh, 1861 was the start of the Civil War. He witnessed a battle and would, wanted to reduce the loss of army sizes to try to reduce the loss of life. His name was Richard Jordan Gatling. He created the mm. Gatling. Ah, oh, oh. Okay. so we were on oh. the right. We were on the right track. Yeah. Okay. Question two: Television. Season twenty-two of this show was won by Jonathan and Anthony Battaglia, brothers and former hockey players, and it concluded on the steps of the home of our first president in Mount Vernon, Virginia. Name this show. I have an idea, Luke. It's only a few shows mm-hmm. it could be. I think I got it. Okay, go ahead, guys. Um, but I think it might be The Amazing Race. Yes. Does that sound good to you? Agreed. Yeah. Okay. We I will applied lock, for that once. <laughs> we will lock in with The Amazing Race, because yeah. where else would you be traveling around in 22 seasons? Yeah, and uh, Micah gave a nice clue there. He said it was two contestants, and uh, I knew that uh, Amazing Race always had a duo traveling the world, so we also locked in with Amazing Race. And both teams are getting points. It is The Amazing Race. I don't um, think I would ever want to be on that because I want to spend I go way with too much in this time. room. Who would I go with? I think I wouldn't go with Neil because he'd always be like doing sidetracks to find like the best like. <laughs> well, he would also get sick the about or... like two hours in, and you need to pull over. <laughs> like, but I need to find the best pot stickers. Is that what those are called? Beignets. Beignets are yeah, in <laughs> New Orleans. Yeah, I do travel the most though, so I think oh, I we got to we got to stop for this uh, cannoli. <laughs> That's true. Uh, um. I'm a huge comedy fan, and uh, Zach Galifianakis had a special a long time ago before The Hangover, and he's very his stand up is very abstract. It's more like performance art, and uh, he just looked right at this black lady in the front row. He said, "You know that show, The Amazing Race? Is that about white people?" And to this day, <laughs> it makes me chuckle every time. Uh, every time, <laughs> it's it's hilarious. I love it. I love it. And speaking of Zach Galifianakis, question three. Uh, he co-starred alongside Paul Rudd, Steve Carell, and Bruce Greenwood as Thurman Munch, an adultering IRS employee who claims to possess the power of mind control in this 2010 Jay Roach film. Okay. We're good. I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. Yeah. Sleeper hit. Hmm. I know. I know. What okay. Was. I was making sure I was. I was correct. Yeah, I saw it in the theater, which is kind of embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of movies Zach Galifianakis is in that's not one Maybe of you should have been movies. in the movie. Well, Steve Carell, Steve Carell, though. It's not Anchorman 2. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm like, total. Yeah. this is like a total yes. blank spot in my mind. Yeah, it's annoying because I love all those guys. Tapping? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have uh, dinner for schmucks, which Neil saw in the theater, oh. so he should maybe be invited to the dinner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It Gross. absolutely uh, is yes. dinner for schmucks. Locally, sleep. there's Octavia Spencer's in that movie. Mm. Uh, Bruce Greenwood, Larry Wilmore. It's, it's it's really a good movie. It's completely silly, but it's good. Yeah, I haven't thought about the movie in so long. It's so funny. The question I can I can picture the poster too of them both on it. Question four: Sweetest coffee. While she has managed to escape marriage in her 72 years, this icon has been in several high-profile relationships that include. Freddie Prinze, who wanted her to have his child, Richard Pryor, whom she taught to read, Don Cornelius, Wilt Chamberlain, and Lou Alcindor, who proposed to her shortly after changing mm-hmm. his name and asked her to convert. Who is this fetching lady? Wow. Um, I think I have an idea, Ken. Um, it, it came to me because of the Chamberlain and Pryor, but let me just write it down and see what you think. Looks good to me. You're good with that? Okay, we're going to lock in over here. Dion Warwick? Uh, sure, I, I've got no idea. <laughs> Jeff is not going to argue either way. No, I, I. Oh, you have no idea. I have no idea. Well, only, well, my thoughts are is that she is an older lady. I don't know that she's ever been married, uh, but she's seventy. I mean, I don't know if she's older than seventy now. Maybe she's too old. No, I think she might be in her seventies. That sounds about right. So yeah, I mean, with the yeah, I mean that's that that's the first thing that came to mind just because of the the marriage piece, and it's not like Oprah or. You know, something like where they had long-term relationships. I feel mm-hmm. like she could have been around, but um, but yeah, we'll we'll go with Dion Warwick. I'm sure Jeff is a fan of Dion Warwick's tweets. Um, yeah, we went with um, what I like to call the original Foxy Brown before Foxy Brown took her stage name, and we went Pam Greer. Yes, 
And that would be the correct answer. Uh, yeah. the, the title of the clue was Sweet as Coffee. Um, and she mm-hmm. her first breakout role was in Coffee, the black exploitation uh, film. So, yeah, Pamela Suzette Greer. She still looks I told good. you I was going to get murdered today. <laughs> I love Pam Greer. All right, question five. I'm not too old for this ish. You're welcome, Ken. Uh, Charles Moss Duke Jr. became the 10th and the youngest person ever at 36 years and 201 days to walk on the moon as part of this numbered Apollo mission in 1972. Uh, We have a good read on this question, we think, uh, based on knowing which mission made it to the moon and which mission didn't. And so we're locked in. Well, 13 didn't make it, right? 12? Uh, I don't believe it. I don't believe 12 made it either. Um, uh, okay. I I think 14 made it and 17 made it. 17, I think, might have been the last one. And so that was, so 69 was 11. So I'm thinking it's one of the later ones. So okay. maybe um, this might be the other guy who was not golfing on the moon in 17. So um, 14, 15, 17. Want to go 17? I like your last thought. Yeah, I okay. like your last thought. I, well, uh, we are having to guess that this is between the successful Apollo 11 and the unsuccessful Apollo 13. Not knowing too much about Apollo 12, uh, that's our guess. Okay, neither team gets points. You guys were close. Apollo 17 was the last mission to land on the moon, so the one before that was Apollo 16 that he was a part of. Hmm. They were both in the same. They went up to the moon multiple times in 1972. It's kind of crazy. Wow. Matt, uh, what are the scores looking like here? I feel like they're pretty even. Uh, they are pretty even. Uh, one team score not going to the moon, unfortunately. Dysentery Blues only has 10 points. Uh, the Leverage Lutharios are at 30, so 30 to 10. Okay. Question six. Cheers to Caleb. Pharmacist Caleb Bradham, proprietor of Bradham's Drug Company, de- debuted a recipe for his new soda fountain drink in 1893, which is a blend of cola nut extract, vanilla, and quote-unquote rare oils, and referred to it as Brad's Drink. The name of this drink was changed in 1898 as a reference to its alleged claims to aid in digestion. What do we refer to this recipe as now, over 120 years later? Okay, so I remember the part about uh, Brad's Drink from a long time ago, because it's a terrible name. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we know the product here, so we're going to lock in. I have two thoughts on this one, and... um... I, I feel like, unfortunately, it's going to be one of these two. But um, obviously with the eating and digestion, go to a doctor, maybe Dr. Pepper. But my strong inclination is because it's cola-based, um, I kind of remember, like, having discussed this before, and maybe not on the show, but at Trivia, and Pepto-Bismol, eating and digestion, Pepsi, something like that. So... I can't remember how Pepsi got its name, but I kind of feel like it might be Pepsi. Oh, Pepsi. Um, yeah, I like the Pepsi thing. Okay, uh, we'll lock in Pepsi. Hope we're right. Yeah, now now that I hear it, I think you're right, but we went the Dr. Pepper route. I think it's Pepsi, though. <clears throat> All right, Dysentery Blues with 10 points. It is Ooh. Pepsi Cola. He took the terms Pepsin and Cola and combined them. Um, because he thought Pepsi aided in digestion, even though the drink doesn't have Pepsi in it. So, nice move, nice pull, man. Yeah, Thank I, you. that's how I remembered it. I didn't think it was based on like Pepto Bismol, but I thought like it shared a name, and that's how I kind of put it together in my head. So, you're a genius. Uh, don't go that far, but thank you. Mensa's <laughs> <laughs> told me no many times. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somehow, the name of this episode will be Jeff's a genius because he's in charge of that. <laughs> Are you ready for question seven? Indeed. Uh, Buried in history, this American Quaker, farmer, businessman, humanitarian, and abolitionist, along with his wife, Catherine, are said to have helped at approximately 2,000 escaping slaves during their 20-year period in Indiana and an estimated 1,300 additional slaves after their move to Ohio. Name this president of the Underground Railroad. Ken and I discussed, and uh, I know that this person's name uh, is a very cool-sounding name. I, it wouldn't come to me, so uh, we're just going to lock in like with... Like Ichabod? Like Ichabod, yeah. We're just going to lock in with a guess. All right, so uh, Luke and I kind of talked it out. Um, we think the clues don't fit, 
someone like John Brown, um, but we do like Frederick Douglass, so that's what we're going to lock in with. I like Frederick D- Douglass, too. A lot to like. So do I. Um, our answer is not a full answer. Um, one name did come to me. I don't know if it's a first or last name. I don't think we're going to get points, but I, for some reason, think Levi. That's why I said I think the name was famous, so we locked in just with Levi. Okay, you guys are as clever as I thought you would be. Uh, you dan- Both teams danced all around it. The name of the category was Buried in History. And uh, his name was Levi Coffin. Levi Coffin. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that much about this guy until I started researching some of these questions. He apparently built a house specifically to stow away slaves. Um, And he was a Quaker. And even after the Council of Friends, the Quaker Council or whatever you want to call it, told him to stop, he and his wife refused. They moved to a different state and continued to do it and helped another 1,300 people oh. escape. So, wow, that's, that's awesome. Uh, well, you got the Levi. Good job on that. That's, that's the only thing I can yeah. pull. So I feel good about it. No points, but I feel feel better about myself. Moral victory. Yeah. All right. Question eight. Are you hanging on the edge of your seat? This posthumous 2004 WWE Hall of Famer, born Sylvester Ritter, got a huge, punch from, huge push from the company after winning the Wrestling Classic, the first ever major tournament in their history by defeating Randy Macho Man Savage in the finals. While he was never the WWE champion, he remained a a fan favorite for his interaction ringside with children and the iconic thump printed on the side of his wrestling trunks, an ode to the sound of slamming his opponents to the mat. What was the ring name of Sylvester Ritter? All right, I says to Neil, I says, uh, that's a Queen lyric. Uh, You take it from there, and he is writing down a guess. I'm trying to think of finishing moves that have anything to do with that. I, I, the other one would be uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, but I don't know when he died. Like I, like he, he was more of a. I, I can't remember the Ultimate Warrior doing a bunch of stuff like with kids. That sounds so wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, worry, uh, not sorry. a good guy. Editorialized. <laughs> not a good guy. Uh, but Superfly was like a really like he used to fl- he he always like fl- flew up like the top ropes and stuff like that. But that that would be my only other. It's a good uh, guess. You can, all the wrestling fans out there are gonna yeah I go with that. We can lock that in because um, the only thing I know about wrestling and someone who's good with kids is John Cena does has done more um, appearances for um, Make a Wish Make a Wish than anyone else. But that's all I know. No doubt. Okay. So we can go uh, Snuka. Yes, let's go with that. Yeah, this one it was very hard. I didn't have any clue. Isn't that the the woman from Jersey Shore? Snook, yeah. That's that game that you tried to teach me. That's like Superfly, Superfly, Snooky. Snooky. <laughs> There's a combination I don't want to see. Yeah, you don't want to see I that. Don't. don't make that the title because then I'll make the art of that. No, no, when she no. Does, when she does the the frog splash, you get tanner all over your body. Um, so we um, we didn't really know. This is a very hard question. Well written though. And uh, Ken just said that it was a clean Queen lyric. The uh, the category and uh so i said maybe it's freddie and i know there's like a very very old wrestler oh, named freddie blassie but classy i don't freddie blassie i don't know if that's the answer maybe he's classy because he like uh you know does the work with children maybe uh, uh i wanted to ask matt matt do you know the answer to the question um i actually don't i was i was racking okay. my brain here and uh no probably a wcw I try, I, tried guy, to, I tried to lay it out for you guys are you hanging on the edge of your seat it is a queen lyric it's a lyric to another one bites the dust and the walkout music for the Junkyard Dog. Was oh, I was going to say, oh. I literally was going to say Junkyard really? Dog, but I thought he was alive still. So that's why I didn't say it. Yeah, yeah, ditto. He, he died in a car crash in 1998, unfortunately. Oh, oh my yes. God. Because I have his figure in the other room. That's why Neil loves the Junkyard Dog. I love dog. Junkyard Dog. I should have said that. I'm sorry. I thought he was still you alive. Know, you didn't know he was dead. Snooka is still alive, too, isn't he? Snooka actually wrestled Jericho at like a WrestleMania. Oh, my God. He was in like a battle royal oh, with no. um. Oh, see, uh, yeah. Is he in with, jail? I thought. I think he, he, he well, might he be in jail. He did hit someone with a car. <laughs> What's with these guys in the cars all the time? There's potentially a murder investigation, so we might right. want to cut some of that. Yeah. <laughs> also, not a he's my dude. favorite. <laughs> hey, Jimmy Snooker did. He passed away in 2017. Okay. There you go. Okay, so it's oh, recent. Okay. okay. All right. Question nine. Possibly the oldest cultivated grapevine in the Americas, the mother vine growing on Roanoke Island produces a muscadine variety of this grape, which shares its name with two rivers and a piece of written music for piano by John Wesley Work. What is the name of this grape variety? All right. Uh, I think I have a grape that matches a few categories, so we're going to lock in. Anything, Jeff? 
Um, yeah, I might. The the only grape I know for sure is a Concord grape. Um, there's probably a Concord River. Uh, if you want to lock that in, it's good with me. I was trying to think of wine grapes, and none of them match any of the river type of stuff. So, yep, we will uh, lock in Concord. Yep, we love our Welch's grape juice. Everybody's got a glass here in the studio, sponsored by Welch's. <laughs> uh, Concord. Again, no points for either oh, team. Uh, the variety of grape is uh, called a scooper nog. Scooper nog. Ooh, the classic scooper nog. Well, the good news Everybody there is I was never going to get that in a million years. Scooper so. nog if, sounds if like a receiver the LA Rams would hire. Yeah. <laughs> Got picked up on waivers. Ray Scoopernog. Okay. I'm never, <laughs> never going to make it as a sommelier, guys. <laughs> he was so he was so good, but uh, he's from Miami of Ohio. Just so we can say, I'm from the Miami of Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't good was against sommelier, press coverage. Like... Would have figured. All right, question two. Last question of this this brutal round. No, keep it um, going. We all said, let's go. Robert <laughs> Robert Moog was an American engineering physicist and later research professor. He is credited with the invention of the first commercial one of these in 1964, leading to its extensive use in popular music. What did he create? And um, shout out to Parliament Funkadelic for showing us the way. All right, we are locked in. Yeah, Moog is like, they make pedals, right? For guitars and things? Uh, It sounds right, yeah. I would think so. So... uh, what do you think? Do you? I was thinking like a distortion pedal or something yeah. like that. Yeah, first, uh, like, yeah, pedal, distortion pedal, something like that. That's a pretty good guess. Um, we have a slightly different guess. So if I said what pop punk band Matt makes good use of the Moog, mm-hmm. you would say Motion soundtrack. City soundtrack synthesizer. Uh, that is ten points. That is a synthesizer. Love them. It's Moog, the one yeah. that goes wee wee uh. wee. <laughs> What was that? How does that go? Wee, wee, wee. Wee, 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 wee. Sounds like a bad whammy. So, Matt, like Parliament, uh, Ken and I, we want the points. So what are the points? Give us the points. Uh, we want the points, Matt. Matt, we want the points. I know. I understand that you want the points, but I have to count the points. And it takes me <laughs> Not a hard. They only have four right in that round. <laughs> that so we true. had two. So. so, as Jeff just yeah. said, taking my job, the score is the Leverage Lotharios with 40 to the Dysentery singing the blues with only 20 points. But let's see if we can change uh, that going into a swing round, right? The swing round is hip, hip-hop, hip-hop anonymous. Yeah. I am love going it. to give you gentlemen... The full birth name, the birth date and location, and the title and year of their first solo release of these hip-hop artists, all you have to do is give me their stage name. Okay. Oh, so screwed. (laughs) Not Jeff's game, that is for sure. I'm having fun, though. (laughs) All right. Question one. Lonnie Rashid Lynn, born March 13th, 1972 in Chicago, Illinois. The debut album was Can I Borrow a Dollar in 1992. Question two, Russell Tyrone Jones, excuse me, Russell Tyrone Jones, born New York, New York, November 15th, 1968. His debut album was in 1995. Return to the 36 Chambers, the dirty version. Question three, Sean Corey Carter, born December 4th, 1969 in New York, New York. His debut album was in 1996. It was Reasonable Doubt. Good boy. Question, okay, I feel a little bit better. Question, <laughs> question, <laughs> question four. Calvin Cordozer Broadus Jr., born October 20th, 1971. Mm. Debut album yep. was 1993, Doggy Style. Mm. Question five. <laughs> <laughs> question five. Adele. Terrence LaVar. Thornton. <laughs> All right, hold on. Yes. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Uh, question five. Terrence LaVar Thornton, born May 13th, 1977. His debut album as a solo artist was in 2013. My name is my name. Question six. James Todd Smith, born January 14th, 1968 in Bayshore, New York. His debut album was in 1985. It was entitled Radio. Question seven, Trevor George Smith Jr., born May 20th, 1972 in New York, New York. His debut album as a solo artist was in 1996 and called The Coming. Question eight, 
Clifford Smith Jr., born March 2nd, 1971, in Hempstead, New York. His debut album was in 1994, and it was called Tikal, T-I-C-A-L. Number nine was Wasalu Muhammad Jocko, born February 16th, 1982, in Chicago, Illinois. It was entitled, his debut album was in 2006, and entitled Food and Liquor. And number 10 was Inga DiCarlo Fung Martian, born September 6, 1978. Her debut album was in 1996 and entitled Il Nana. Okay, we will look these over and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. And we are back, and I will just be silent and let Neil uh, take away the swing round. I have a similar strategy. Luke uh, killed it, so I'm going to let him do the same. Great. Micah? What do you think? What do you think? All right. Uh, question one was Lonnie Rashid Lynn, born March 13th, 1972, in Chicago, Illinois, and whose debut album in 1992 was entitled Can I Borrow a Dollar? What would you guys come up with? Uh, yeah, we, uh, we thought that this was common. That was our answer. Hey, we said common. We have that answer in common. It was good to watch Dysentery Blues work that out. They figured out uh, that he was in Chicago, and they named the two Chicago rappers that they knew, and they got this one right, so that was great. Uh, question two, Russell Tyrone Jones, born New York, New York in 1968. Name of his debut album in 1995 was Return to the 36 Chambers, the Dirty Version. What could you guys possibly come up with for that one? ODB. ODB. DB. It is the old DB, Dirt McGirt himself. I mean, it's, if it's the dirty version. Question three Sean Corey Carter, born December 4th in New York, oh. New York, 1996. Read a little doubt. What'd you guys get? No. Chill. Chill. Well, we, we went uh, Jay Z. Jay Z. Yeah, both teams get points. It was Jay Z. Got impressions. <laughs> I love it. That, that reminds me of that time you showed me the website where it was just all of like the rappers' hooks. Like, oh, yeah, oh, it's a soundboard. Yeah, it's a soundboard. Yeah, yeah, all the little grunts and stuff they make. Like DMX going, but and then Jay Z go, chill, chill, chill. Yeah, I've seen. You, there's video. You know, they have to go in the studio and cut that. They're listening to themselves. Yeah, that lyric hit hard, son. All right, question four. Calvin Cordoza Broadus Jr., born October 20th, 1971, and whose debut album was 1993's The Doggy Style. Uh, the, the, the One of the only two that I knew, uh, Snoop Dogg. Is that because he's Martha Stewart's best friend? That's right. Yeah, we had Snoop. It is Snoop Dogg. Number five. Terrence LeVar Thornton, born May 13th, 1977, whose 2013 debut was entitled my name is my name. Yeah, um, this is one of my my favorites. Uh, we locked in with Pusha T. Uh, we had Joe Budden. We got that one wrong. Yeah, I made sure to say debut solo album. Of course, he's part of the clips with his brother Malice. But oh, this is Pusha clips. T. Yeah. 
Uh, question six, James Todd Smith, born January 14th, 1968 in Bayshore, New York, and whose 1985 debut was entitled Radio. Neil wants me to do some of these, but I'm not going to pretend that I know. You don't want to? Okay. Well, uh, I thought you were going to do this just one take, because... Just take your credit. You, along with the ladies, both love uh, LL Cool J. So that's what we liked him with. Yeah, we had LL Cool J as well. Recent Hall of Fame inductee, LL Cool J. Let's see. Number seven, Trevor George Smith, born May 20th in 1972 in New York, New York. And his debut in 1996 was entitled The Coming. Yep, we went with uh, Mr. Buster Rhymes. Oh, yep. We had KRS-One. Yeah, Neil is on it. It is Buster Rhymes. Neil is killing me. I thought I did well, and then Neil came in. <laughs> I have nothing to do with this. Ken, was, Ken was there oh. every answer saying, I think it's this. Don't give me credit. <laughs> We're no credit to do. That could be helpful. You know, might need to push in the right direction. Number eight was Clifford Smith Jr., who was born March 2nd, 1971 in Hempstead in New York, and whose 1994 debut was entitled to Cal. Yeah, this one, this one we had a lot of trouble with, and uh, Ken just said maybe it's one of the dudes from uh, from Migos, so we just said Quavo. Way too early. Cal is method, man. Method. Yes, the album was entitled "Lace It uh, to Cal," which is "Lace It" spelled backwards for uh, the marijuana blunts he used to smoke laced with PCP. I'm glad he's doing okay. It's Method Man. My favorite. <laughs> Every morning, uh, <laughs> nothing gets me going like a to Cal. Uh, number nine was Salu Muhammad Jaku, born February sixteenth, nineteen eighty-two, in Chicago. And whose 2006 debut was entitled "Food and Liquor." This one we did? knew from uh, from the album name and from the album cover and Chicagoan. So we said Lupe Fiasco. Yeah, Jeff contributed on this one and uh, pulled some Lupe. So we got Lupe Fiasco as well. It is Lupe Fiasco. And finally, number ten, Inga De Carlo Fung Martian, born September 6, 1978. And whose debut was Il Na Na in 1996. What did you get, Lotharios? This one, uh, I was happy you, you did this clue because we mentioned her earlier. And we went with Foxy Brown. Yeah, Foxy Brown. And Foxy Brown is correct. You guys, you guys did pretty good. Yeah, what pretty I successful uh, swing round here. Uh, what do you think? What do you think, Matt? Oh, uh, yeah. After that swing round, I uh, added a lot of points to our scores. Dysentery Blues is all the way up to 60 now. Um, just a little bit behind the Lotharios at 85. Looks like we've got leverage on them. I think we do. Gosh. All right. Ready for round two. Question one. O'Hare International Airport is one of the world's busiest airports thanks to its large number of regional flights. It is named after Lieutenant Commander Edward Henry Butch O'Hare the Navy's first WW2 fighter aced. He became the first naval aviator to receive the Medal of Honor for his actions in defense of the USS Lexington. He also received this award posthumously. The United States Navy and United States Marine Corps' second highest military decoration awarded for soldiers and Marines who distinguish themselves for extraordinary heroism in combat with an armed enemy force. Name this award. Okay, our knowledge on uh, military medals is a bit limited, but I think we can name at least one that we think would be a good answer, so we're locked in. What do you think on this one, Luke? Uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm lost on this one. I, like, okay. <laughs> do you have any idea? Well, a couple come to mind. Um, Medal of Honor and Purple yeah. Heart. And I think yeah. I think you have to die in combat to get a Purple Heart, or maybe not. But Injured. Injured, no. yeah. Just wounded. Yeah. Wounded, yeah. Yeah. Um, he was given it posthumously, like so I'm not sure if that plays into it. Um, yeah, I like the Medal of Honor. I'm good with that. Okay, we'll go Medal of Honor. Same here, Medal of Honor. Uh, the second highest award that you can receive uh, as a commendation in the Navy or the Marines is the Navy Cross. It's oh, been awarded okay. 6,300 times so far. And in doing research for the question, uh, I found a lot more about uh, Bush O'Hare's father. He was a, a lawyer, apparently, for Al Capone and threatened to snitch after Al Capone was released from Alcatraz. And a week before he was released, he was murdered in Chicago in his car. Well, uh, didn't know that about him. 
but uh wow lots of uh lots of interesting facts on this game i gotta mm-hmm. say there we're, is we're learning a lot uh question two twice as famous the first shots fired in defense of the union during the civil war were by this man at fort sumter at about 7 a.m on april 12 1861 you figure that'd be his claim to fame for all time, but he's definitely more known for something else. In 1905, the Mills Commission convened and after not much research or deliberation at all, decided to give him credit for creating something he most assuredly did not. To this day, he's sometimes erroneously looked upon as its creator, although it's clearly proven he is not responsible. Who was this man? I have no idea, Neil. I don't uh, either. This is probably going to be a stunning answer that we'll never forget, but I'm afraid uh, we might have to tap here. Stanley. Yeah, we're, we're just going to lock in with Thomas Edison. Just go for it. Who cares? Who knows? Thomas Edison. Maybe we're right. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got nothing. Uh, I'm fine just letting it ride and see you the next one. Yeah. You know, we're tapping as well, but we're fight excited battle. to find out. Another day. If I told you his hometown was Cooperstown, New York. Would that help you guys out? Oh, baseball. It's, uh, what's his face? Um, Abner Doubleday. Doubleday. Ah, Abner Doubleday. He fired the first shots at Fort Sumter, and, you know, they got fired on first. It's about around 6 o'clock, and then he was instructed to fire back at around 7. So he fired the first shots in defense of the Union. And then in 1905, they were trying to get, they were trying to build the mysticism and history of baseball. So they just asked this guy, these guys to do some research and come back to us. They asked one guy named Abner Graves, who lived in Denver, Colorado. He said, yeah, I saw this guy in Cooperstown named Abner. He was helping these guys play this game uh, called round ball. He was like, yeah, that sounds good. And that was it. (laughs) Right. Question three. Lighten up, will you? This award-winning American author of young adult fiction titles such as Tenderness and The Bumblebee Flies Anyway is known for his for, is known for his recurring themes of abuse, mental illness, revenge, betrayal, and conspiracy, and for the fact that most of his novels the protagonist does not win. Name this author. And just for your information, I'm unsure of any relation to former Strike Force Grand Prix champion Daniel. So Eric Carl is out. Because a very hungry caterpillar did not get revenge on anybody. Uh, if, <laughs> if it's Jeopardy rules and we can do last name only, Luke, I'll lock in. It's All right, Jeopardy sweet. Thanks, dude. All right, so they're locked in. It's up to. It's just up to us. Um, well, like lemony snicket sort of thing, because he said the protagonists don't win. Yes, uh, I like the clue that he gave though at the end. The Strike Force champion named Daniel. Uh, I think that's the wrestling coach guy who was good for a while and then got beat recently. Cormier or Corm- Cormier, Daniel Cormier. Okay, that's the only. Uh, he's the only like UFC fighter I know named Daniel. So okay, do you just want to go Cormier or Cormier? Cormier, sure. Okay, okay. I may have not thought about this correctly, Luke. What did you lock in with? Uh, Maybe I was for some guy. reason I was thinking of Force India, which is a racing team. So I, I was thinking it was yep. the racing driver Daniel Ricardo. So I, we, I, I went with Ricardo. All right. Well, the clue was an important part. You both keyed in on it. Neil keyed in on it a little bit better. It is Robert Cormier. You mean correctly? <laughs> I originally thought he meant racing too, but then once he said strike force, I was like, oh, okay, so yeah, it's fighting. Yeah. yeah. Question four: What the Buffalo say when she dropped off her kid at college? Name this HBCU school with the largest endowment as of 2020 at 712 million and can boast famous alumni like Tanahisi Coates, Tony Morrison, Taraji P. Henson, Felicia Rashad, Thurgood Marshall, and coincidentally the man who played Thurgood Marshall on film, Chadwick Boseman. Okay, we're going to lock in with a guess. Do you know this All one, right. uh, Luke? I, I, no, I mean Grambling or so I, like I, I'm trying to think of like the school, those schools um do you have an idea uh no i don't um when the first couple that come to mind when i think of hbc schools i'm thinking of like um like howard um yeah i don't think it's howard, i don't I think like. he went to like tuskegee um yeah i like howard okay we will lock in howard yeah we clued into that answer right away um i think chadwick went to howard um so we're going to just kind of put our chips in on that one so we also locked in with howard what the Buffalo say when she dropped off her kid at college? Bison. The Howard Bisons from wow. Washington, D.C. Uh, that is correct. Both should have thought about the clue. Didn't matter. 
All right, question five, our obligatory sports question. Aside from teaching us about true friendship via Billy D. Will's portrayal of him and Brian Song, Chicago Bears great Gail Sayers is the youngest person ever elected for enshrinement in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. In a seven-year career cut short by a knee injury, he totaled 4,956 rush yards on five yards per carry and 39 touchdowns. Six of those touchdowns came in one game as a rookie against my 49ers, who must have felt like they were tackling dust in the wind. What was this legend's nickname? We can lock in over here. All right, Luke. Isn't he a ghost? Something with a ghost? Could be. I mean... You don't, you, you, you don't know? I don't remember. Okay. I, I did watch the movie Brian's song once. Who sang Dustin? Who did Dustin the Wind? Kansas. But I don't think he was anything Kansas. But oh, Gale Sayers! My dad's gonna kill me when he mm. listens to this. Podcast ghostly, ghostly Gale, Galloping Gale. I don't know. His, it's like the his white door. Your doorbell is gonna ring at three a.m. Your dad is at your door with like a pipe wrench. <laughs> <laughs> we watched Brian's song together, Luke. <laughs> No. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I'd say the great ghost, but I don't, I don't think that, that's not right. Okay, we'll go with the. Uh, I feel the... like I'm talking about Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> we will go with the great Gugga Ghost. Well, it sounds like you were on the Kansas clue. Yeah, uh, and I think Galloping Ghost is Gret Granger, maybe also a Bears player or something that like that. Correct. Um, but we locked in with the Kansas Comet. Ah. He is Kansas Wichita native and University of Kansas alum. Gail Sayers mm-hmm. was the Kansas Comet. Yeah, I was so close. Pretty nuts that the Bears had him and Walter Payton in their history, like two of the best of all time. Mm-hmm. I closed my eyes only for a moment and the points are gone. Yeah, what a shame. But let's get the uh, points update, Matt. Yeah, exactly. All right, after the first five questions in round two, the Leverage with Arios have added 30 points to their score, bringing that up to 115. Dysentery Blues still singing the blues, only adding 10 points and keeping it at 70 points. Really right. sh- bad on this one. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> I had some foreknowledge. So. Oh, Jesus. Question number six. Take the number of spin doctor princes times the number of steps Leonard Skinner wanted you to give them, times the number of nations the White Stripes Army was, plus the number of times Jim Morrison wanted you to love him to a- arrive at this number. Okay, this is the first question that I've like 100%. I'm like, just don't mess up the math and I've got it. You know, you remember your yeah. order of operations? Yeah. 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 We can yeah. lock in with 100% confidence. So I just <laughs> All right. I just don't I know that. the... Just go uh, ahead, Dan. So I just don't know the the last number, the last digit. How many times Jim Morrison wanted you to love him? Yeah. What's the what's their famous song again? Um, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, now touch me, baby. Oh, is that where he says love me? Um, no. uh, riders on the storm. Oh man, light my tough. fire. So, oh yeah, mm-hmm. come on, baby, light my fire, right? Um, quite a few. So you said. Can you put this on auto tune? The door is not a one hit wonder. <laughs> not a one hit no. wonder. Um. So according to your math so far, we have two times three, you said, mm-hmm. times seven, mm-hmm. plus something. So what is two times three <laughs> times seven? So we're at 42, and we need plus. How many times did he love you? So I'm just trying to think in trivia terms. Maybe it's just a clean 50. Maybe it's... Well, be 50 times. Or plus... Well, be plus <laughs> That's uh, a long night, bro. Plus eight. So night. plus eight, and then it would be 50 total. Well, what about four? Because if it's four, <laughs> it really means something per vanilla sky. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Let me four times. Let me one time. Let's say one. He wants to be loved one time. I don't know Simple this. Man. I don't know this one. I don't either. But one is enough, right? Yeah. So we'll go forty-three. Forty-three. All right, Luke. Um, you let me lock in right away. Um, yeah. Two princes from Spin Doctors. Uh, the uh, second one is uh, give me three steps. Uh, Leonard Skinner, uh, Seven Nation Army, Jack Black, and. Uh, Love me two Jack, times. Not Jack Black. Not Jack Black. Jack <laughs> White. Yeah. I went the wrong way. <laughs> uh, Jack White exactly. has a seven nation army. And uh, the doors, it's love me two times. Mm. I too. I don't know, but he's blown away. So okay. that's 44 <laughs> if I if my math's right. 
The correct answer is 44. It's two one times Jim Morrison wanted you to love him. But yeah, you, that gotta, was, you got all the that rest was of the question. So close to Once me. at night, once in the morning. That's it. <laughs> two times. Neil, wanted you, Neil thought he wanted to be loved 50 times. What if you get yeah. to like 48? That's like those last Ooh. two. I can't that do it. Like... Sorry. <laughs> Not Superman. <laughs> He was on a lot of drugs. Anything was possible. I'm no Superman. <laughs> By the 49th time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Just dust in the wind. <laughs> All right. Question seven. Montgomery Cunningham Meigs was a career United States Army officer, civil engineer, and quartermaster for the General Army of the United States during the Civil War. He was also the principal architect of this and chose its location partly to humiliate his former commanding officer for siding with the Confederacy, who he understandably detested. All right. Uh, I have a vague guess on this. Um, some of the clues make sense. Others don't. But uh, we're going to lock in. Um, things that I think might need an architect after the Civil War. Um, my first gut goes to the Lincoln Memorial. Um, yeah. You know, Lincoln passed away like four days after the end of the war. And... Uh, Yep. Well, he was assassinated. I guess he didn't really pass away. But um and so I'm thinking Lincoln Memorial. Love it. Okay. That's what we'll lock in. Good guess. Ours is kinda similar. Uh we're saying uh Arlington National Cemetery, because it's very much in the same kind of area. Yeah, kind of on the border of where the the Union ended and the Confederacy started. Yeah, it was in Virginia. Started, so yeah. yeah, if they buried like a bunch of northerners in Virginia, I could see that. Okay, both teams locked in, and one team is getting points. Uh, Robert E. Lee was his commanding officer when they were on the same side of the Union. And once he separated and went to the Confederacy and lost, Meigs decided to use his home as the place where they would bury the soldiers for the Union. It is Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, wow. Uh, nice job, Ken. That was great. Yeah, I've been there, and uh, Robert E. Lee's, yeah, his house is on the grounds. Yeah, I've never been there, so that's really interesting. All right. Question eight. This portmanteau, which can place its origin to the United Kingdom's Women's Social and Political Union, was coined by an anonymous English journalist in 1914 and is used to describe the application of martial arts and self-defense techniques used by their members. What is this term? All right. For lack of a better answer, we uh, chose an answer that very well may be a portmanteau and we didn't know. So... Yeah, first ideas, first thing I think yeah, of when right. I think of self-defense is Israeli Krav Maga, but I don't think that's... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I don't think that's British, right. and I don't know if that's a portmanteau. I'm just trying to think of Yeah. self-defense, not karate or taekwondo. Those are traditional. I guess we'll guess Krav Maga. I'm totally wrong, but... Yep. Is from uh, Israel, mm -hmm. I believe, yep. but that was the answer that yeah. we came up with as well as Krav Maga. Okay, neither point, no points for either team. Uh, the Women's Social and Political Union was a uh, women-only political movement for women's suffrage in the United Kingdom from 1903 to 1918. Uh, people trying to get women to vote are uh, suffragettes, and they were teaching them self-defense techniques so they could fight off people who were harassing him while they were protesting. So it's suffragitsu. Oh, uh, that's cool. I thought Suffragette would be in it, but I didn't even think about combining it with Jiu-Jitsu. So. You, you could thank Drunk History for that. The episode where that one was included was one of my favorites. I love so, yeah. Drunk History. Drunk History is great. Learn it was lot. so great. Yeah. So great. In a fun way. Okay. Question nine. I'm not sleeping. Most people are familiar with hibernation, the, se the seasonal heterothermy characterized by low body temp, slow breathing, slow heart rate, and a low metabolic rate commonly occurring during the winter months. What is the term for the same condition that occurs during the summer months? All right, Neil and I really don't have any idea on this one, so we're just going to have to take a tap. Sorry, guys. What's the opposite of hibernation? Lobernation, I would imagine. <laughs> Oof. Oof. I like that joke. That's fine. Uh, since we don't know, answer. we're gonna lock in the lowernation. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> no, oh no, my it's, god, it's the low hanging fruit. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. What do we got, Micah? We'll give you. All right. The answer is estivation. A e s t i v a t i o n. No mighty ducks. No, hint I was on like, that that's one? when Emilio mm. stops filming yeah. for the summer. Yeah, Emilio <laughs> estivation. <laughs> He takes this annual summer break. 
And out of the play, I, when I gave this a play, that's the one question everybody got. I had no idea until I looked it up, but apparently a lot of people oh, remember that. Uh, it's all these play testers. They're, they're, they're too they're smart. smart. Yeah. 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 The crop's we, too smart. Who do you hang crop's out with, Mike? So listen up, crop. We need yeah. some dumber play testers. <laughs> <laughs> too smart. I think you're asking if you're the wrong a, group of people. If you're a big dummy. <laughs> Where did the volunteer to play test? <laughs> who want you? Who gifted the United States the Statue of Liberty? I don't know. <laughs> Liberty Island. Uh, what was his name? He was French, Liberia. but I don't know. Let's see what we got. The uh, last question in the round. Question ten. We miss you, Dirt. From collecting welfare checks in a limousine to helping lift a car off a small child to openly admitting onto MTV that he got burnt by a venereal disease two times. The ODB was never boring, but perhaps his most famous moment occurred in 1998 during the 40th annual Grammys. Feeling slighted after the Wu-Tang lost to P. Diddy for Best Rap Album and quite obviously inebriated, Old Dirty rushed the stage and proclaimed, Please calm down, the music and everything. I went out and bought me an outfit today that costed a lot of money today because I figured that we would win. Puffy is good, but Wu-Tang is the best. Wu-Tang is for the blank. And five bonus points if you can name who was being presented their award for Song of the Year when he uttered this famous phrase. Oh, uh, We can lock in. I figured. Oh, man, Neil. <laughs> I honestly didn't know where this phrase came from until right now. But oh, I know the phrase. <laughs> is it forever? Uh, yeah, forever. Forever? Let's ever? do that. All right. And then we get five bonus points for the what, what year was who, it? Who he interrupted, basically. 1998 Taylor Swift, right? 40th annual. (laughs) It seems like the same scenario, but this is the 40th Grammys in 1998. Uh, The album that they were presenting the song of the year to this person. If this is at the Grammys 98, well, Titanic was 97. So is this uh, My Heart Will Go On? (laughs) Let's go Celine Dion. Celine. That seems about right. We'll guess guess that for our, uh, our bonus, which doesn't matter, but... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's a great uh, Twitter account that's named uh, this phrase, and first we locked in with Wu Tang is for the children, because they are, and um, <laughs> I believe oh, he interrupted the one hit wonder from the '90s. If you guys remember, I used to listen to it all the time on the radio. Sunny came home by Sean Colvin. Uh, Sean Colvin. Yeah. Well, they're getting points and bonus points. It is wow. Wu Tang is for the children, and oh, they were nice interrupting deal. Sean Colvin for Sunny came home. She comes out the back because I think she had performed. And he took time to make sure that uh, he knew that Wu-Tang <laughs> should have won that award. I think we're getting spanked. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Wu-Tang is yeah. for the children. The points Murder. are for the Lotharios. It is <laughs> 140 for the Lotharios, and the Blues are singing those Blues with 80 points. All right, going into the final, what are our categories today? Uh, the categories are locations. Okay, so all five, location. All five will be location. All right, with that intimidating category for the final rounds, all the wagers are in. All right, guys. I am going to give you the location of something that occurred, and I need you to tell me the building uh, where this thing happened at. And Question number one, the host stadium of the first Super Bowl. Question two, the location of the largest private residence in the United States. Question three, the building used for George Washington's first inaugural address. Number question four, the building used for the coronation of Napoleon. And question five, the home of the Duke Blue Devils men's and women's basketball teams. All right, we'll ponder these and we'll be right back. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. 
So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. All right, and we are back with our answers. Um, just for the record, we bet 10s all the way down, and the uh, Blues bet 15, 15, 15, 15, 20. We bet everything we had. I feel good about location, location, locations. All right, let's see what happens. All right, guys, the whole stadium of the first Super Bowl was where at, you guys? Yeah, so uh, for our 10 points, we thought the Packers were in the first Super Bowl, and we just figured it's got a long history. We just said Lambeau Field. Um, for this one, I'm pretty sure there, there hasn't really been a team that has hosted at home in the Super Bowl, because that almost happened with Minnesota a couple of years back. Um, and I'm pretty sure this is the location of the Rose Bowl. We said LA Coliseum. So a team actually has hosted a Super Bowl. It happened last year. Tampa Bay did. Oh, that's um, right. That's That was the first time. That's the only yeah. time it's happened. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. first Super Bowls weren't called Super Bowls. It was just the AFL-NFL championship game. And the first one was the Packers against the Chiefs in the L.A. Coliseum. Wow. Ooh. You had parts right. of that right, Neil. I, I wanted to say Coliseum, but I was like, why would they play there? And Yeah, but at least we got Packers, so that's okay. Well, they move it around every year, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the beginning two. of the end. <laughs> a question number two the largest private residence in the united St- states is located where at uh we think this might be the white house um pretty sure that this is uh the biltmore state and i'm pretty sure that's in north carolina yes dysentery blues click keyed on it i'm from north carolina and the biltmore state is also in north carolina it's a huge place and it is the largest private residence thought we were onto something there i know <laughs> We changed yeah. our underwear just in time for the final round. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three. What was the building used for George Washington's first inaugural address? Not positive on this one, but maybe it's Independence Hall. Yeah. Um, funny you should say that. I'm positive it's not in Philadelphia because um, the first presidential residence was in New York City. And I think this was just the Federal Hall in New York City. All right. Well, the first incarnation of this building has been destroyed and it was rebuilt in 1812 to make it a little bit larger. It is Federal Hall on Wall Street in New York City. Jeff's a monster. Just leading all game. Uh, Yeah, he is. Now we're just getting bled out Mm. over here. Uh, Question number four, the building used for the coronation of Napoleon. Um, The most uh, French place I could think of is the Palace of Versailles. Um. Napoleon was very anti-monarchy, and I think this was Notre Dame Cathedral. Jeff is killing it. It was Notre Dame Paris. <laughs> there's a Notre man. Dame. There's a Notre Dame in Reims that a lot of the uh, kings use, but he was core. He had his coronation in uh, Notre Dame in Paris. And the title of this episode went from Jeff is a genius to Jeff is a sick man. <laughs> <laughs> And lastly, question number five, the home of the Duke Blue Devils University men's and women's basketball teams. Well, we thought this was our worst answer, but clearly they were all bad. Uh, We said NASCAR arena. Jeez. And I'll (laughs) hand this one off to Luke. It is. uh, We got 20 points on this one and uh, he, he keyed in on it right away. Cameron Indoor. It is Cameron Indoor Stadium. Shout out Coach K's last season. You guys want to hear some final scores? (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, I do. I do. We just pooped our pants. (laughs) 
Uh, you gave him dysentery. Yeah, it looks like uh, the dysentery spread throughout the studio. Shouldn't have drank that water, Neil. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's very wet over here right now. And that, isn't that cholera? That's water. I'm book? sure you can get dysentery through water. I need to find this out, Jeff. If you give me the right price, I'll give you dysentery. Um, I've never seen this before. Uh, team get every question wrong while the other team gets all of them right. You could never guess who won this game. Coming in second today was the Lotharios with 90, but obviously today's cream of the crop with a perfect final round will be the Dysentery Blues. Yeah, I know. I am living the nightmare, and I am the queen. Yeah, I'm going to find one of those unjustifiably in a position <laughs> clips. So. We never we never win together, Ken, and the one time we we're poised to win, just completely the rug was pulled from under I'm us. always I'm always competitive in the the normal game and then I just can't do yeah. the final round. Uh, well, uh, the one thing we, we are thankful for today, even though we didn't win, is uh, our Patreon support and uh, both Micah and Luke are Patreon supporters. Uh, and if you'd like to join them uh, and get a bunch of great perks and stickers and bonus audio content, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. But for these two in the studio today, um, thank you both very much for uh, helping to support our show and continue it to grow. Parting shots, uh, Micah? Uh, yeah, I want to thank uh, the crop for helping me, specifically uh, Marnie and Matt uh, for playtesting the questions. Too smart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Boy, uh, shout out to my my wife for uh, corralling my daughter and two dogs and uh, letting mm. me stay in the closet in peace. And uh, shout out to you guys for the content you put out. Uh, we enjoy it. Uh, I've never donated Patreon to anything, but uh, I felt compelled to do something for you guys, and I ended up hosting a show out of it. So, you guys, it's a great show, and I, I appreciate you guys putting it out. Thank you very much. Thank you. And what's the name of your wife's podcast, by the way? So that was a great question. I have no idea right now. They're still working that out. But, well, you'll uh, let us know, <laughs> and we'll post it. <laughs> I'll let you know. Absolutely. <laughs> the name of the podcast is insert here the micah's wife podcast <laughs> i wouldn't be opposed to that she might <laughs> www.micah's wife slash pod and luke uh, any uh, parting words from you sir no no you guys were awesome man this was the most fun i've had in quite a while um, oh, i'm sorry and, to hear uh, that love it. <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe we, so i can't believe we I gotta say, no, right, right when I'm getting to the end of the podcast edit, just one more thing. I gotta say, Luke, uh, you came in clutch. You had some answers. The swing round allowed us to to get that win. So thanks for carrying me there. I'm glad I could carry you hey, on the final. Team effort. Yeah, dude. Apparently, regular rounds are for losers. <laughs> <laughs> Just a waste of time. Just a waste of time. Yeah, we don't need that. But uh, need that. on behalf of uh, Micah, Luke, Ken, Matt, Neil, and myself, Jeff, that was Triviality. Oh, now I can't remember. Hello. Yeah, and welcome <laughs> to reality, the, the game. game. There we go. Okay, we're good. Here, let me. I'll, yeah, I'll just leave the it. Game leave show. It. No, you're good. You can put that as an unclip. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where like a serious is.